Well, Albuquerque, you do get cold. It's true. I woke up a few days ago, went outside without a jacket, and it was 23 degrees out. And I was like, okay, okay. So, uh, of course, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm used to it. I know what that's like. It's no big deal. I was like, all right, I knew this might happen. So I put it, you know, it's, it's been a whole different experience being here. Um, uh, we, uh, one of the great things about Pennsylvania when we were living there, uh, I'm born and raised in Pennsylvania. Ruth um, got imported um, from Australia, and uh, she tolerated Pennsylvania. But one of the nice things about it that we brought as a tradition was um, we, would, we would take this awesome uh, hayride uh, to a tree farm. It was like this thing that everyone does, and, and you get a saw, and you, you're like, you, you scavenge the uh, whole area, and you cut down the tree you want, and then you bring it out, and there's bonfires and all this stuff, and, and uh, so we had done that for the past, I don't know, seven, eight years, and, uh, and, then, um, and then we came here, and we, um, we, we went to Costco, <laughs> and uh, found a tree cut down in Oregon, and, uh, and, uh, and I was like, okay, and, and that tree didn't look as fresh as the Pennsylvania trees, and I was like, just hang on there for two more weeks, you can do it, tree, but, uh, but it's, a good tra- it's a good trade-off, we're, we're happy to be here, and we're happy uh, for this, and, and we, love, we, we, we love getting ready for um, the Christmas season. I, I, I'm, you know, there's people who thrive in Christmas seasons, people who are just like, they're so amped and charged, and like everything is so, you know, great, uh, and, and, and they just love it. Like my mom's like this gift person, so she like loves giving gifts, and so this is all her thing, and I survive Christmas. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I love the celebration of our Savior's birth, but I'm like, do we have to do all of this stuff? It's like constant parties, constant gifts. And I'm just afraid of forgetting a gift. And, and I was like, I, I want to go back to the olden times where it was like people like baked a cookie for Christmas. They're like, here's a shortbread cookie, you know, or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, anyway, but that's just uh, American consumerism for you at its finest. Um, but, you know, I do love preparing uh, for, for the celebration of our Savior's birth. And, and we talked about um, in uh, getting ready for Advent season, one of the awesome Advent uh, themes is the, 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 the hope, uh, the gift of hope, and, um, and how Jesus is this gift. Uh, last week, we talked about preparing for the gift, how the angels of the Lord were sent out to declare the word of the Lord over Zechariah and over Mary, and how these words, these prophetic words, as they came out, became tangible. And an older uh, woman, Elizabeth, and her old uh, husband, Zechariah, who was winding down their career, who were probably thinking, this is the last thing we're going to do. Uh, they had this awesome uh, chance to minister. Zechariah had an awesome chance to minister at the altar before the Lord. Uh, there's probably uh, only once in a lifetime chance to get to do that. They drew lots. He got picked. And while he's burning incense in front of the altar, the angel of the Lord greets him there, right? And he, he's filled with doubt because his wife's so old. And, and, and then just a few months later, uh, the angel of the Lord gets sent to Mary and, and, and is proclaimed that she is going to bear a son as a virgin and uh, he will be the Messiah of the world. He'll be Emmanuel, God with us. And, uh, and I just love this image, how the word of the Lord came to two generations, one thinking they're winding down, one just getting going, some young teenagers, and God's using them both in the same move. 
He doesn't limit us by our age. There's a move of God that's happening. It's about to happen. It is happening. I don't, I don't think God ever really stops moving, but I really feel that there is a move of God that's happening in Albuquerque, and he's coming out not to one generation. He's coming to all generations. Will we believe it? That was last week. That's preparing for the gift. And this week, I call the plan in action what hope really looks like. It's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the preparing for the gift started and now uh, uh, Mary is with child and there's an action plan that happens. It's kind of like when you, you buy that package on Amazon. It's like it's done, now you gotta wait for the delivery. And in Pennsylvania, we lived near a big warehouse, Amazon warehouse, and it was crazy. The, 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 you know how it's like two-day, Prime is like two days, you can get your package for free in two days? Well, in Pennsylvania, they would have a timer on it. They're like, if you buy this, you can get it in two hours. It's crazy. And I, I hear that might be happening in Albuquerque. They're building a big warehouse here, and uh, I heard. Um, and so you guys might get packages and, and, and fill that consumerism void you always have. So... <laughs> You know, prophetic words, when they go out uh, and they're real, when, when you get a real prophetic word from the Lord, when it's not just man giving it, but it's God and coming through man and giving it, you can take them to the bank if it's the Lord. But sometimes there's a significant process between the delivery of the fulfillment of the prophetic word and the prophetic word being given. And it's really navigating that process that determines... Um, if, if we'll actually receive the gift that God's prepared for us. Let's look at the prophetic word in Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14. This is um, a, 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 the promise of Jesus coming. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is to Israel. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. This wonderful prophetic word. Man, I bet you the Israelites were like so stoked about this word. I mean, they're, they're, this is the Old Testament, folks. They're like, man, they need, they need the Lord to come through, and they've been rebellious, and there's been ups and downs, and they're just a, a crazy bunch of people. But man, they got this amazing prophetic word. And then this awesome, crazy thing happened. 400 years of silence. Nothing. It's amazing when, when we're in a place of plenty, when we're in a place of abundance, when you just see God's favor all around you, when you see things going the right way and you see all this awesome stuff, I don't think we really appreciate it like we should. You know, the, the Israelites had these prophets that spoke from the word of the Lord. They, they spoke to them. Sometimes they gave them judgment. Sometimes they, they gave them promises. But, but they, they had this connection with God and that they could rely on and depend on. And, 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 and all of a sudden, that light goes dark for 400 years. God doesn't speak. He doesn't use prophets for 400 years. I know that sometimes in our lives, uh, you, know, you, you, you know, you see this abundance, good things are happening, awesome times are going on, and favors having, happening in your life, and the, maybe the abundance of God is so clear and evident in your life, um, but sometimes until you go through a dark season, you really don't appreciate the favor of God. 
You know, I've, I've been in times of abundance. I've been in times of, 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 of uh, what's the opposite of abundance? Non-abundance. Lack. Thank you. See, I need your help, guys. And it's, and it's amazing how when in times of my lack, in times of my darkness, I'm actually so much more filled with hope because I need it. And, 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 I, and I'm like, and, and all of a sudden it's like I get this, you know, I'm in this place of darkness. I can't see to the left or to the right or in front of me. I just have this little light in front of me. I just know I'm supposed to step in that one little light. And I'm like so thankful for that little bit of light. You know, it's like, have you ever, you know, this is just a natural kind of thing, but have you ever like, you know, been really strapped for cash, and you're like, it's five days till payday, and then it's like, by the way, Financial Peace University starts January 25th, so hopefully you can get this sorted, and it won't happen again, but it's like, it's like, you might like, man, you know, maybe you had Thanksgiving, and, and you, you know, your, 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 your skinny jeans don't fit anymore, so you got to get your, your fat pants out, you put your fat pants on, and, and, and you're like, oh my goodness, $20, there's $20 in these pants, you know, it's like a crumb, you're like, oh God, thank you for that $20, you know, it's like, it's like that, that little you might have had $2,000 two years ago and you didn't really appreciate it much, but that 20 bucks you got, you'll figure out how to make that last five more days. You know, It's like the, 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 the appreciation, and I can only imagine the Israelites, the, the, the Mary and Joseph, knowing that, that the Messiah is supposed to come through somebody in their family line, maybe generations in front of them, maybe their cousins, who knows, but, but it was gonna come one, one of them through their family lines, and, and, and so they, they knew that that was possible, but they're filled with this, no, there's no uh, evidence of hope around them, and then this word comes to them, and it's like this light, in the middle of the darkness. And Mary gets chosen to be one of the first people to have God inside her. And then the most inconvenient thing happens. I mean, have you ever given a word from God and then the most inconvenient thing happens to you? You're like, this is not supposed to happen this way. If you ever had a wife who was nine months pregnant, she wants to do things a certain way. She wants to, they call it nesting. Get everything ready in the baby's room. They wanna make sure everything's perfect. They wanna make sure, they, they, they're, they're getting ready for, to be prepared for one of the most life-changing things in their life. And if you're a husband who's not helping, watch out. You better help. Because she's getting ready. And um, in Luke 2, verse 1 through 7, we see the most inconvenient thing happen. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken. Well, who wants to help me with that name? Quirinius? Quirinius? Depends what accent you have, you know? Was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house, of the, and he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child, and while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this is, to me, a crazy kind of messed up story because if you're getting prepared to bring the Savior of the world, the Messiah, into humanity, you want to be in the nicest place. You want to have your house in order. You want to have things done right. But the stupid, the first census ever to come out, had to come out at that time. Why would this be so inconvenient? But little did Mary and Joseph probably realize was that they were fulfilling, this inconvenient process was actually fulfilling a prophetic word that came out earlier. We know this in Matthew. When we, when we go to Matthew 2, 4 to 6, the, 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 the wise men are trying to find where uh, uh, Jesus is. And so they meet with Herod and says, gathering together all the chiefs, priests, and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The inconvenient process was actually a fulfillment of the prophetic word of their life. And I want to submit to you that sometimes your inconvenient process, the promise of God that's over your life, that was just like over Mary and Joseph's life, just like over Zachariah's life, was actually a part of God's plan. I remember when uh, Alan called me to pastor this church. And I was like, uh, he called me and he said, and he, he said hey, I'm just going to shoot you straight. I'm looking to retire soon, and, and I want you to pastor this church. And, and, and in my head, I said, no. <laughs> that wasn't a part of the prophetic promise that I had. All the years that I saved up, all the words I have on my iPhone and, and written down in my journal, and I'm like, this is not what is supposed to happen. <laughs> you guys know, I, when I had Charles Stock out here, he, he even said to the church, he said, this this made my, 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 my heart really, you know, sad because I had Paul, I, I, you know, Charles had just hired me to lead a church, a 3,000-member church, 2,000 uh, uh, Sunday attendants, and, uh, and I was on their senior leadership team, and, and, and I was supposed to take over that church in a few years. That, that was kind of the plan, and, and, uh, and then Alan calls me. Because Gail heard the Lord. And I said, Alan, this doesn't make sense. I've never spoken at your church. You've never invited me to your church before. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I, and, and, and I had no, you know, my family lives in Pennsylvania. We have big roots there. There's, there's, this is what made sense. And it was funny because when I accepted the position at the larger church, Life Center, I had this prophet that prophesied 15 minutes over me, and I caught it on uh, rec voice recording, and he came out of the blue, and, he pro and, and people know this prophet, and it's kind of like he's, he's really uh, accurate, and he's authentic, and he knows the Lord, and, and so, you know, I always put words on the shelf, like, okay, God, you know, I'll put that on the shelf there, and... and um, 
And I didn't understand. I, I tried to make his prophecy fit the narrative that I was going through. And it didn't really line up, but I just thought, well, maybe it will, you know. <laughs> Until I came here with Ruth and we heard the Lord clearly that we're supposed to be here. And we yeah. just said, this, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And, and then something said, listen to that prophecy again. Sometimes we just need to re-go through the prophetic words spoken over our lives. To re-understand that your prophetic process, just like Mary and Joseph's, was actually all part of the plan all along. The word that was in that prophetic process, that prophetic word said, oh, and there's a move. And there's a move that involves the whole family. And it had all these things. And I said, wow, that really lines up more with New Life City. <laughs> See, if you want to survive your prophetic process, just like Mary and Joseph, you need to have a godly hope. Because while the plan is in action, you need the hope to anchor you down. See, hope is different in the world than it is in the kingdom of God. In the world, uh, a hope is a wishful thinking. A hope is like, I hope my Eagles, my Philadelphia Eagles football team win this Sunday, which is, you know, probably not gonna happen. For some reason, they're just not doing well this year. That's a worldly hope. It's like, it's, it's the same hope that people have when they, when they do the, they know it's possible, like statistically possible. Sometimes it's improbable. Sometimes it's more probable. But it's like, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. It's a wishful thought. Like when people try to play the lottery. Don't play the lottery, by the way. You're wasting your money. You're, you know, it's like, I've used this example before. It's so rare that you would ever ever win the lottery, you're throwing your money down, just, you know, save it, okay? That'll actually survive better, but, or invest it. But Financial Peace University starts January 25th, and we can sort all that out, okay? But, but you know, it, it's amazes to me that people just, they just want to put their hat, their, their name in the hat. Like, they're like, wow, it's almost a billion dollars. I mean, might as well just for two bucks, put more dollar, whatever it costs, put my name in the hat. And, and, and it's, it's like wishful thinking. That's their hope. Sometimes in politics, I hope my candidate wins. You're not sure, but you hope, you know. It's not a guarantee. It's not something that you know will be fulfilled. That is earthly hope. Godly hope is radically different. Godly hope is actually believing the promise of what is going to happen even though it hasn't happened. Godly hope is a foundation that faith is built on. Godly hope is like a rope tied to a promise. The promise is, is, is maybe that present, but if I had a rope tied to it and I grabbed it and I'm holding it and I'm pulling on it, the rope I'm pulling on is called hope. It means I know, it's an it's a assurance it's an assurance that it will happen even though it hasn't happened yet. And that is the steadfast hope that keeps us in faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. 
and not realizing the prophecy in the middle of your journey, in the middle of your process, sometimes you'll lose that godly hope. But I want you to understand that when it's the Lord who speaks the destiny over your life, that hope you can take to the bank. And that hope is what keeps you strong. And that hope is what keeps you um, anchored to the Lord. I always can tell when someone is close to God or far away from God, even as a Christian, because the farther away from God, I notice their hope very low. The closer you get to God, the more you're filled with hope. Why? Because you're encountering the one who's the fulfiller of all promises, and he builds that hope in you. And I'm like, when sometimes when people, and, and I, you know, I've been, I, I've been an itinerant evangelist for most of my vocation as a minister, and, um, and, and, and now I'm a pastor, and, and an itinerant evangelist, the, the sad part is you're always on the road, you never really get to build relationships, you're, 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 just, you're, you're just in and out, you're like the wind. The nice part is, is that you're in and out, you're like the wind. You come, you preach the message, you do your thing, you're like, boom, 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 boom. You push people, no, you don't push people that. But um, uh, people fall over, hopefully, and hopefully they're not pushed, hopefully it's authentic, and, uh, and uh, let's just be real. And, uh, and, and, then, and, then, and then, you know, you're, you're, you know people are getting touched, and, and God's moving, and then you leave, and the pastor has to pastor people. He shepherds people. He works, he gets in the dirt with people. And they might tell me, they might say, you see that person over there? I say, okay, yeah. And they said, they're going through all this and all that. I said, well, I'll be praying for you as you pastor them. But now I'm the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been meeting with, you know, hundreds of people in the past six months. And, and I can tell those who are close to God and not because of their hope level. And sometimes they just need that encouragement like, hey, you forgot the main thing. All the peripheral stuff distracted you. But he's still gonna be your hope. And so we have Mary here who in the middle of her pregnancy, not in the middle, at the end of her pregnancy, God's grace has filled her so much that she's, you know, it doesn't say it, she complains. She's okay with having a baby around a bunch of animals okay with this inconvenient process that she's gotta have the Messiah of the world in a barn with no preparation, no one's compassionate enough to open up another room because the inn's all full. And she goes, this must be part of the prophetic word. And it is actually. And so now the light of the world comes into and breaks the 400 years of silence and darkness. And the hope was what they could hang on to until the delivered one comes to deliver the world. Why don't you guys stand? Jesus is fully God and fully man. He was never not God. He didn't exist because he was born. He existed before he was born. He's eternal, okay? 
And so we, um, we celebrate the incarnation of his birth and we get ready for it because we know we have this steadfast hope. That as he came as a baby and lived a sinless life and died on the cross and rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and then released the Holy Spirit unto all flesh for everyone to receive Christ, can receive the Spirit of Christ. But he's also coming again. We have this hope. And I just want us to stay steadfast, close to God, some of your hope levels might look really sad right now, and that's sometimes a part of the process. That happens. But I want you to grasp onto a rope that's being presented in front of you that's from the Lord. And that rope is the godly hope that's available to you. To say, I know I might be in pain, I know I might be in a place that I never thought I'd be, I never could have imagined I'd be in, but I trust that God, you're gonna work this whole thing together for good. And I have this hope. And God, I wanna be close to you again. I wanna draw near again. I called and you answered God. God, I pray that we would, in faith, grab a hold of that hope, that assurance that you will fulfill your promises over our lives, over our families, over this city, over our community, because that hope is steadfast. That hope will keep us anchored in you. God, forgive us for doubt. Forgive us for letting go of that hope that comes from you. There's a reason that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that the three greatest virtues are faith, hope, and love. Faith and love, I think, is something that we've easily more or less understood, but hope, I think God's reemphasizing today. This virtue will get you through just grab a hold of it.